We've been going through the book of Acts, and the whole theme of the book of Acts is victory. No matter what we're facing in our life, we can still have victory. No, we can still overcome. We can still live in joy and peace. Uh, do you believe me? <laughs> Maybe not this week, you know, but it's true. We can, because we can do that. The book, the book of Acts teaches we can have that through faith in Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's the whole focus, faith in Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to need it today because it's, a, it's another tough one. Uh, every once in a while we hit our tough one in Acts. Well, about every other week actually, right? But it, I titled this, The Blood of the Martyrs is the Seed of the Church. Who knows who came up with that one? Tertullian, one of the early church fathers, who got a little off base later in life, but we won't go into that. But anyway, Tertullian uh, was one of the church fathers during the Roman persecutions, and he came up with that saying, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And Acts eleven nineteen to 30. And a secondary title is Positive Persecution Part 2. Remember, we already did Positive Persecution Part 1. Positive Persecution Part 2. We see persecution again in the book of Acts. Do I hear an echo? Uh, you know, we're going to see several more coming up. This is, this is the story of Acts. And it's the story of the church. And it's the story of the United States very soon, as we're going to see. You might be thinking and asking, how can persecution be positive? Anybody wonder about that? How could it be positive? We're not looking forward to it, are we? But we see in the Bible over and over, and we see in the book of Acts, how God uses it for positive, for the positive. First of all, he uses it to refine his church, to refine individual churches, to refine denominations, to refine individuals. He uses persecution. If you haven't listened to my Revelation series online yet. You might want to mosey on over there because in Revelation 13, 9 and 10, it talks about this very thing. Who, he who has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity he will go. If anyone is to, uh, if anyone is to be killed with a sword, with a sword they will be killed. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of the saints. And so we, we see it predicted in the book of Revelation. And then we see the result of persecution, the church going through this refining time. In Revelation 19, 7 and 8, it says, Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. And we see as we go through Revelation and those, all the persecution that the church of jesus christ will go through that we see the result is there's a holy bride ready for the the wedding of the lamb and god uses persecution to refine us now i know nobody here needs refining we're all perfected you know but you might know somebody who needs you know needs the refining right god also uses it to wean us from the world to wean us from the world we get locked in with the world we get into the world and and God uses it to wean us. I've heard more people say to me, I can't wait for Jesus to come. After this last year and a half, two years, I can't wait for Jesus to come, right? And he could come today. I'd be all set. You know, and, and we've, we've kind of gotten weaned from the world. We, we're looking forward to heaven. We're looking forward to Jesus coming again. We're looking forward to that. Where maybe a couple years ago, we were kind of comfortable here, right? Kind of comfortable, and things are changing. God uses it to wean us from the world. It's, it's also a powerful witness. 
a powerful witness, which we have been seeing through the book of Acts. We see it in church history that God uses the blood of the martyrs as the seed of the church. It's a powerful, powerful witness. When people see people willing to go through persecution for Jesus Christ, people come to Christ because of that. We still see it all over the world. China going on big time, but the church is growing. The church in America is shrinking, all right? Or you're, you're shrinking, but the church in the in uh, China is growing. And the, what's the difference? They're going through persecution. Nigeria going through terrible times of persecution, wave after wave, and it's coming here. How do I know that? Because the Bible said it's going to be. Everywhere, everywhere. We saw Book of Revelation uh, once again got that whole series going, the sermon series, making sense of this crazy world. It went through Daniel, went through Revelation, eighty sermons, um, about forty minutes a sermon. Take a couple days off and get through it, okay? So, but uh, but we see that in Revelation. But we also the the first four sermons I did in that series were actually from Mark thirteen and Matthew twenty four. And remember, and uh, I'll just give you Matthew twenty four nine. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. How do I know persecution is coming to the United States? All nations. <laughs> We're not going to miss it, you know. We're not because we have the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence. We're not going to miss it. We are not going to miss it. The United States is going to go through this persecution. Verse ten says, and right after that. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. People who think we think are Christians, but they're being exposed. Now, we've been talking about that. Are we seeing that now? People that we thought were really solid Christians, all of a sudden, what happened? God is separating the wheat from the weeds. The wheat from the weeds. We're, We're seeing this happen everywhere. But the end result, and this is the awesome part of it, going through all this, verse 14 and this gospel of the kingdom will be, pre- be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all men, and then the end will come. As a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So we see the result <clears throat> is the gospel is going to be preached to the whole world. That is the end result. That's the end result of going through this, this whole persecution thing. And uh, once again, we, we have a home fellowship every other a Sunday, I lead a home fellowship talking about this very thing going through the book of Revelation. Joe Simon is also starting another one because uh, we're already almost through Revelation. But if you want to be in on the beginning, you can talk to Joe and get started on one with him. All right. Now, worldwide persecution is already happening. It's already happening and is now at our doorstep. We're a hop, skip, and a jump from seeing it happen. But this is the key, though. Remember, God has a positive purpose. We all pray, no, no, I don't want to be persecuted. Believe me, I'm not voting for that, right? But, But there's a positive purpose for it, a positive purpose that God has. for persecution and all suffering, not just persecution, but all suffering that we go through, God has a positive purpose, a very important purpose. 1 Peter 4, 4, verses uh, 16 and 17. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. Why? For it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? 
That, why does God, why does God judge the church before he judges the world? He's going to judge the world. It's going to be hot. Read Revelation. But before that, he's going to judge his church. Why? Because he doesn't want us to be judged with the world. He doesn't want any of us to be judged when he judges the world. So he judges the church first. He separates the wheat from the weeds. He, he refines us. He, 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 and we're seeing this very thing happen. He's separating the wheat from the weeds. We're seeing USA denominations that were once solid splitting in two and, and half going biblical and the other half going God knows where they're going, right? We see this happening in churches. I see this happening. We see this happening in many Christians, people who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ, and yet you're like, what happened to them? How can they be going this direction, you know, their life or their beliefs or whatever? How can they be going that way? I, I've been, some people I've been friends with for years, solid Christian pastors, and they're going woke, spiritually woke. And I'm like, what? Is this even happening? It's like the twilight zone. But we know this is what we have to watch for what God is doing. In Matthew 7, Jesus said in verse 15, he says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Verse 20, thus by their fruit, you will recognize them. Thus by their fruit, you will recognize them. And then he even goes on to, then, then it gets really hot here. Verse 21, where he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but, uh, uh, but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evil doers. Wow. Does that scare you? It should scare us. <laughs> we should be scared, right? But we're going to see positive persecution today in Acts 11. And there are many positives that we're going to see here that are going to, they're meant to encourage us. They're not meant to scare us. They're not meant to freak us out. They're not meant to upset us. They're meant to encourage us. And to be prepared. And let's pick it up. Oh, let me pray first. Father, I know this is a hard passage. Um, there seems like there's a lot of those in Acts. But this is a hard passage. And yet, Lord, it's the word of God. And your Holy Spirit recorded it. And your Holy Spirit wants us to take this to heart. And to grow from this. And, and to be ready for what you're trying to do. Knowing that in the end, just like going through a, a tough sport or a, a tough trial, and it's so hard we're going through it, but when we get through it, there's a positive result of it. Lord, I pray that we would be able to hear that and see that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Acts 11, verse 19. Here we go. Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however, some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. Then the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived he, and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. 
So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up and through the spirit predicted a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, each according to his ability, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. This they did, sending their gifts to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. Wow. So let's let's look at the first couple of verses for the first, the, the positive number one in the persecution that they just faced. Now, the, those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyrus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. What is the first positive we see from the persecution? Stephen, Stephen being stoned. Remember we studied that back in Acts 7. What's the first positive we see? It's easy. It's not hard. <laughs> Nobody catches a positive in that. People turning, yeah, spreading the gospel. People turning to Jesus, right? Evangelization, we call it. And in verse, verse 21, the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. The positive is, is evangelization. People, explosive growth. Explosive growth. <laughs> we need to learn from this in the USA today, don't we? We have all these church growth methods and books and conferences and the church just keeps shrinking 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 in america uh but whereas in other countries well we already talked about china what's happening explosive growth stephen is killed he is the seed and now we see the result the gospel spreads to jews and greeks the gentiles both the jews and gentiles phoenicia phoenicia anybody ever been to phoenicia it's on the beach. It's on the beach, you know, and uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's this nation along the beach there in the Mediterranean, and that's where they started doing this evangelism. That's why Chuck does beach evangelism. Where's Chuck? I think I saw Chuck. Beach evangelism. Oh, he's not here. That's why he does it because of Acts. You know? this, the Phoenicia was a strip of land along the shore, a very narrow country, and also the island of Cyprus. And why is this significant that it was right along the shore? Because what else is along the shore? Boats. <laughs> and boats spread out, and they take the gospel to other countries. This was before the Internet, right? Uh, There's no Internet. They had to they take the boats, and that's how they spread the gospel. And they, we see that they end up <clears throat> in Antioch. Antioch is the third most important uh, city in the Roman Empire. What was the first one? Rome. Thank you. Somebody's paying attention. Rome. Second was, anybody guesses? Alexandria, and the third one, the third most important was Antioch. This is where the first key Gentile church was established in the New Testament. It was right here. It was a hub. Antioch was the hub, you know, where, where everything went through Antioch. And Paul launched his three missionary journeys from here, from Antioch. That's where he launched all three right from here. Uh, that's why we are, as a church, always looking to branch out from here. We're, we're not Antioch, but we're New Hope 
community church in New Hope. And so we're constantly looking for ways to, to branch out from here and to send missionaries. And we have Dave and Megan in the Dominican Republic. And uh, a lot of exciting things happening there with them. And now God's opening a door into Peru. We already saw what happened with the Bibles. But the door is opening wider. And we're, we're able to start really training uh, in Peru and reaching some unreached tribes who don't have the gospel. Looks like we're going to have a chance to help get the word of God into these people's hands in Peru. So that's that we're trying to do the same thing we see here in Acts, right? Uh, okay, so we number one evangelization. The second positive is in verses twenty. Start verse twenty-two. News of this reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them to. Re- reigned true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Wow, very, very interesting. The second positive, the first one was evangelization. The second one we're going to call mobilization mobilization the apostles send barnabas to encourage and why is that significant what does barnabas mean the encourager right barnabas means encouraging he's always encouraging somebody that was his gift and they send him to encourage their spiritual growth then barnabas tracks down and teams up with saul who we now know as Paul, right? This is the odd couple of ministry. <laughs> the odd couple, right? You have Barnabas, the encourager, and you have Paul, the confronter, right? He's the confronter, right? Uh, this is crazy. They're both vital in ministry, but sparks fly between these two, as we're going to see later in Acts, all right? Sparks fly. There's some, you know, some sandpapering going on. But it's really a dream team that the Holy Spirit brings together. Barnabas and Saul, who we know as Paul, is a dream team. They make a huge impact. They basically are responsible for evangelizing the Gentile world. Powerful, powerful team. And it's no accident that these two guys end up at Antioch together, and they go do the three missionary journeys. And it's also no accident that Barnabas and Paul's home church received the badge of honor in verse 26. The Christians, the Christians were called Make sure I get this right. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. That was the, the first time that they, 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 uh, this, this happened here. The, um, the disciples, you know, say you were, they use not believers, but they use the word disciples here. There's a big difference between being a disciple and a believer. In the United States, we have believers. Believers, right? Everybody's a believer. Yeah, we're at the cross. You know, uh, yeah, I'm a Christian. You know, uh, you know, but only six percent of, of Americans have a biblical worldview. What does that tell us? That not all the people who claim to be Christians are really Christians, right? If you don't have a biblical worldview, how can you? You know, Jesus said, if you if you if you uh, really believe, you'll follow me, you'll obey me, right? And so, so that here he uses the word disciple, and disciple means what? Follower, follower of Jesus Christ, a follower. That's a disciple of Jesus Christ is a follower, actually following. And the followers of Jesus Christ here are called Christians. And the word Christian means what? Anybody know? Be, what's that? 
Little Christ, right? Belonging to Jesus Christ. That's what we are. We're little Christ, right? But we're, it means literally means belonging to Jesus Christ. That's what uh, the followers, the disciples here are called Christians because they belong to Jesus Christ. In the USA today, the word Christian is used and abused. You know, everybody you know, claims to be a Christian, right? Not everybody, but a lot of people. But it means something in Acts. They were disciples. They were really belonging to Christ. It really meant something. It means something in much of the world. It means something in much of the world. I remember there was a, a friend of mine who was in uh, Japan for a while, and he was telling me what, what they do in, in Japan. Now, this was 30 years ago. He told me this story. I'm not sure what it's like now. But at this time, he said, when you were a Christian, when they would introduce you as a Christian, they would say, they would say this is Mr. Jesus Christ. This is Mr. Jesus Christ. They wouldn't use your name. They would use your identification. This is Mr. Jesus Christ because you follow Jesus Christ. And even your dog, they referred to your dog as Jesus Christ's dog, right? Yeah, because they just, if you were a Christian, you, they identified you that way. And that's kind of humorous in a way, but there's a lot of truth to that, isn't there? If we're truly a follower of Christ, that's how people should identify us, right? And don't forget what gave them this identification. How did they get to this level of identification? It was persecution, right? Persecution got them there to Antioch, and that's how they were identified. So we see that that positive number three is the persecution results in identification. When people see us go through persecution because of our faith, when they see us go through suffering, any kind of suffering, or any kind of pressure in our life, and they see us still keep our faith, yeah, we lose it, right? <laughs> yeah, we get upset. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, every day we got to work through it, right? But when they see us keep our faith in the midst of that, that impacts people's life. And they, I, they, I, they connect the dots. They identify that Jesus is the, 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 perp, the one who gets us to that place. And this is po- that's what positive persecution results in, evangelization, mobilization and identification and one last one i want to look at one last one is in verses 27 to 30 and this one i'm going to really have fun with Uh, verse 27 during this time some prophets came down from jerusalem to antioch one of them named agabus stood up and through the spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire roman world this happened during the reign of claudius the disciples, each according to his ability, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. This they did, sending their gifts to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. Okay, so uh, an, another positive from per, the persecution that the church faced landed in Antioch is that it gave them a prophetic voice. Let me explain what I mean. This resulted in, the persecution resulted in a prophetic voice. The result of establishing this church in Antioch brought a prophetic warning there. If the church hadn't been scattered, if they hadn't been persecuted, if they hadn't landed in Antioch, that prophetic warning would have never reached those people. You get that? And God uses our hard times to put us in a place where God can use us to warn people. 
to warn them, hey, look what's coming. Look at the book of Revelation. Look what's coming. He uses us to, to bring that. And, and these prophets, because of the persecution, because they landed, because the church starts in Antioch, the prophets, including Agabus, show up, and they warn about a coming famine, which was a really big deal. Because at this time, there was no Sam's Club. There was no supermarkets. They lived day to day. They still do in much of the world, right? Remember, we were in the Philippines not too long ago. Same thing. Uh, They still live day to day. So let's connect these dots. Persecution leads to the gospel reaching Antioch. And and then... That which, which, where people's lives are saved, they're saved spiritually, but they're also saved physically because of the persecution, because of the gospel spreading, because of the church established, because of the prophetic voice. People were saved spiritually and physically. They were protected by not just protected for eternal life, but they're also protected by these prophetic warnings. And the prophets in the Bible had two important jobs. The first one was to foretell. The second one was to foretell. Did you understand that? Foretelling and forthtelling. The foretell is what we often think of the prophets in the Bible, but it's actually not was, was not their main job. Their, the foretelling is what we tend to focus on, and that's when they would predict something's going to happen. <clears throat> right? That's when they're predicting judgment. Jonah, go go tell, you know, uh, go, go to Nineveh and tell what God's going to do. That's foretelling and that is an important part of of uh prophecy but did you know the main job of the prophets in the old testament and the new testament was forth telling forth telling this is when they you we preach the word of god that we've there's no new prediction it's we preach the word of god as a prophet and we we apply it to people's lives and when we apply it to the uh, the country that we're in or the church that we're in we apply it and that is the most common use if you if you we studied elijah and elisha and we know about them you know calling down you know, fire, Elijah fire from heaven. It was exciting. But Elijah spent years with his school of prophets just preaching. He was using his prophetic gift, but he was forth telling with the word of God and applying it to people's lives. That is the number one usage of prophetic gift in Scripture. In fact, in Romans 12, 6 to 8, in Romans 12, it says, We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. If your gift is prophesying, then, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraging, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. And that's what Paul is talking about here in this passage is the forth-telling part. Notice that all these gifts are not what you call the supernatural gifts. These are the gifts of the Spirit. They're supernatural in the sense they were given by the Spirit, but they're, they're really used in the body of Christ here. And the forth-telling, when someone, a prop, prop, someone who has a gift of prophecy and they're forth-telling, they're connecting the dots from God's Word to world events. Because a lot of us miss that, right? But someone who has the gift of prophecy can connect it to the world events. And also the job of someone with a gift of prophecy is, is conviction, to, to connect the dots from God's word to people's lives. When they, when they need help connecting it to their life and seeing something that they really need to see, that is the job of someone with a gift of prophecy. And it's not 
easy having a prophetic gift. Just look at Agabus. What does Agabus do? He shows up and he says, there's going to be a famine. Later on, what does he predict? Remember what he predicts later in Acts? Anybody remember? Paul's imprisonment, right? Paul's going to be in prison. You know, that every, every time Agabus shows up, you know, you can imagine what it's like. Oh, wait, Agabus is preaching in the church today. I'm going to stay home, you know? All right, you can just see that. I'm not even going to watch it on, on, on the, the, I'm not even going to watch it on the computer. I'm not even going to watch it. Oh, don't, don't make eye contact with Agabus, you know? You know? Oh, here he comes. Here's Agabus. Yeah. Don't, don't look at him. If he sees me, he's going to tell me something bad's going to happen, right? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about, right? Agabus wants to do lunch. He, Agabus called me, wants to do lunch. Why me? What is he going to tell me, you know? And, uh, you know, I, I know a lot. Well, a lot of you think when I call you on to do lunch, you know, uh, you know, why is he handing out candy? What's he really doing? Right. You know? and, I, and it's true. Uh, I remember Kim and I we were in Connecticut. It wasn't anybody from this church. So we, we, there's a new couple. They became Christians. Their name were John and Marianne. I'll probably tell them. I'll, I'll send them a text tell them to listen to this. But John and Marianne were new Christians. So we invited them over to our house. They had dinner. And they came late. They were like 20 minutes late. We're like, are they coming? And they finally came and came in and John was a little nervous and it was a little awkward. But, but he started warming up. We started having some fun. And then we had a good time. And a couple hours later, they had to go. He said, okay, well, have, you know, it was great to see you guys. Have a, have a good night. And, and I'll never forget, John looked at us and goes, that's it? <laughs> And, and I go, what do you mean? And, and Miriam goes, hits John. See, I told you you weren't in trouble, you know. And, and he goes, because he goes, well, whenever the priest called me and wanted to talk to me, I knew I was in trouble or something, you know. He must have gotten in a lot of trouble, right? But so he just figured I was going to, you know, yell at him here, you know. So, oh, no, we just wanted to have you over. And he goes, that's why we were late. He kept driving by the house. I'm not going in the driveway. I'm not pulling in, you know. Oh, it was so funny. Uh, so <clears throat> we're, we're still good friends all these years later, but, but it, Agabus, think about it. It's not easy to be the prophet, right? Agabus, believe me, it's not easy having a prophetic gift. I think a lot of you know where I'm going. What, you know, if you look at those, the gifts, this, this isn't, you know, obviously my gift. It's, it's hard being able to see where the country is headed, right? And when, and, and warning about that and everybody just wants a positive sermon you know where's joel steen you know yeah they, they just want a joel sermon you know that's why his church is big you know positive no bible just positive right and uh and it, it, that that people want positive you know and we do need encouragement and, and it is encouraging the bible is encouraging and there's a lot of encouragement you know we just had a wasn't the last one an encouragement uh anyway we've had we've had you know about every other sermon here and and uh and and, and acts is is encouraging but they're also the ones that are harder and it's like it's like um it's like a sport uh, we got a wrestling coach out here. It's like Joe wrestling. You know what? What, what do you do with the wrestlers? You bang them, bang them, bang them, bang them, and then all of a sudden, just before the match, give it an easier day, and then you, you know, then it's that's the encouragement when they when they fight that battle, right? Isn't that what coaches do? You know, Cameron just did finish running cross country. You, they wore you out, right? They wore you out. You a lot of days you were gonna just want to quit, but that's vital vital in order to run that race and 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 that's that's what god's word does is is there's a lot of a lot of 
tough stuff here, but that's the key. Is God's whole goal is to win the race, to win the match, to, to win the battle that we're in. That's God's goal here. But it, it's not easy. Uh, you know, it's not easy. You know, always warning. You know, warning people, and 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 uh, it's not easy. Uh, I, I remember a lot. What, uh, several people came to me over the last year, two years, and said, Pastor Chuck, 15 years ago when you preached through the book of Revelation and Daniel, I thought you were crazy, you know? I thought, like, what is he talking about? And now it's all happening just like you said. It's not what I said. It's what the Bible says, right? It, it's not my thing, uh, but but it's what the Bible teaches. And they're, they were like, you know, uh, it, it's just not easy to have that, that prophetic gift. If you think you're tired of listening to me uh you know uh, i'm sick of you not listening right <laughs> I'm, I'm mostly kidding but anyway uh, <laughs> you think you're sick of listening to me i'm sick of people not listening right because i want you to be ready and, and not just for the country but individually so many times that we have blind spots including me i know i got them too uh, but but we god will lead uh People with a prophetic gift to warn someone. Once again, not the foretelling. I don't have that one. I have the foretelling. I just take the word of God and apply it. And, and a lot of times God says, warn this person. Because look where they're going with their life. Look where they're going with their marriage. Look what's happening. Warn them. Your job is to warn them. And I don't want to. I dread telling them. I know they're going to be mad at me. So I, I dread having to, to warn them. I have to really pray through it and work myself up. A lot of people think I just love to blast people. That's not true. That's not true. Some of you I like blasting. But not true. All right? so, some of you, some of you, I've enjoyed it. But no, I'm kidding, 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 mostly kidding. But anyway, the the thing is, though, it's hard. But I have to pray through it, and I'm like, oh God, please help me, please help me. And sometimes it goes well, and maybe half the time it goes well. The person's like, wow, God, yet you're showing me what the Bible says, and it is true, and God's giving you that discernment, and I'm gonna turn it around. Help me turn it around. And that happens about about half the time. Guess what? It's you know, it's, 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 you know, uh, they, you know, they, they get angry at me and, and, uh, you know, and, and I, and I warn them, I say, you're, listen, if you don't listen to what I'm saying, you're going to lose. I've, I've said this conversation. Some of you have helped me have this conversation with people. You are going to lose it all. You're going to lose your marriage. You're going to lose your family. You're going to lose your job. You're going to lose your, your, you know, the name of Christ. You're going to lose your relationship with Jesus. You're going to lose it all if you don't listen and repent of X, Y, or Z, whatever it is. And so many times people get mad and they leave. They go off to another church and lose it all. They lose it all. And, and I've had people come back to me and, and, and come back to me and say, years later, Pastor Chuck, everything you said is true. It happened. I should have listened to you. I've lost it all. But I want to come back to Jesus now. And I say, you can. You're not going to have all, all the stuff you lost now. But you can still come back. But it, it's heartbreaking. I, when I, it's hard to warn people, knowing they're going to get mad. One of the hardest things lately seems like people are going to send their kids to a, a, a Christian college. And, but I know that Christian college is no longer Christian. They're apostate. And I warn the parents, and I say, I say, listen, I know this church, this college is no longer Christian. You need to know that. I went there. I go, yeah, 30 years ago. It's not the same college. And I give them the specific examples, and and usually they get mad at me. 
And they, I've had people leave our church because I offended them over the college, they, the Christian college. And, or or they, they go off and they send the kid anyway. I said, listen, I'm not saying you can't send your kid, but you have to warn them. You have to walk through this with them. You have to make sure they don't crash and burn because they're going to be lied to by, by people they think are Christians at this Christian college that, that don't believe the Bible anymore. And, they, and I've had people not believe me. And not only did the kid go and crash, but the kid came back toxic and, and the parents are crashing for from it. And it's crazy. It's happened so many times. It's hard. But in the book of Acts, we see that the people listened. They listened here in Acts. And they, they prepared to share. They prepared to share. Are we prepared? Are we prepared for what's coming? Are we prepared for per- persecution? Listen, listen to me this time. Why did it take two years of you know COVID and the entire world being shut down for some people to finally believe me? Right? It's in the Bible. It's coming. It's coming, and we have to be prepared. It's coming. God's word predicts it prophetically, and the signs are all there. Are we prepared to share? Are we prepared? And are we prepared to share? Look what they did here in the book of Acts. They were sharing. It's going to take selling stocks and sharing it with the body of Christ. Voice of the martyrs and church of the open door. Christians suffering all over the world that we can have an impact right now with these people. Are we, are we ready to fulfill God's positive purpose in what we're going through? Evangelizing and mobilizing. Are we ready to move out wherever God calls us to move out? Doors opening right now in Peru. I just talked about that. It's open. Are we ready to, to do that? Can people see Jesus Christ in us? Can they see that? Do they see the difference? Can they see the difference that our faith makes in our life as we face trials not because we're perfect (laughs) no no we're not perfect but we have jesus christ and we work through it and and we we own up to our mistakes and we keep going from fear to faith on a daily basis we choose faith on a daily basis are we are can people see christ in us do they see the difference are we a prophetic presence in our school schools in our colleges, in our neighborhoods, in our towns, in America? Are we a prophetic presence? Are we salt and light? Remember Jesus said you are the salt of the earth, the light of the world. Are we salt and light? Are we conformers or are we transformers? Are we doing that? And maybe you're here today and you aren't prepared because you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. You thought you were a Christian. You identify as a Christian, but you know that you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. You've never given your life to him. You've never been, what the Bible teaches, born again. Jesus said you must be born again in John 3. And how are we born again? How are we born spiritually? Just like we're born physically, we need to be born spiritually. John 3:16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life there has to be a time in our life a specific time in our life we may not remember the exact second but we know we did this a time in our life where we say god i believe my sin separates me from you for eternity i believe that i know it's true and i repent 
I repent of that sin. I repent of everything in my life that goes against God's word. I repent of that. I ask you to forgive me. No matter what we've done, anything and everything, I ask you to forgive me because I put my faith in Jesus. His death on the cross for me. His resurrection from the dead for me. He paid for that, that, the sin on the cross, and he rose again to prove he could give me a brand new life in Jesus Christ. I put my faith in him. Let's pray. How is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Are we prepared? Not just for the battles on this earth, but are we prepared for eternity? Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you ever given your life to him? You can do that right now. There's no special ritual. It's a prayer from your heart to God's. Simple prayer of faith. God, I repent and ask you to forgive me for all the sin, all the garbage, all the shame. And I'm putting my faith in your son Jesus. His death and resurrection for me. I give my life to Jesus. I want to be a disciple. I want to be a true Christian. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, or if you do pray that prayer of faith, then the Holy Spirit, the Bible teaches that God's Holy Spirit is now living in you from now till forever. And you have a brand new life in Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you to let someone know you've taken that step of faith. Maybe you're here with a family member or a friend. Maybe you're watching online and you you know someone at work or at school. Let me know. If you need someone to tell, tell me. Tell me on the way out. Tell me. Send me an email, nhcc at comcast.net. I'd love to talk to you and encourage you and be excited for you and help you in your new life in Christ. For the rest of us here who have already put our faith in Christ, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Are we prepared? Do we see suffering and pressure and challenges and persecution as a negative? Oh, we surrender our lives. And this is tough. 
where we surrender our lives and say, God, your purpose, your glory, whatever you're calling me to face. Father, I pray that our church here would be ready. Our church would be reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, that people would see it lived out in our in our struggles, in our trials, in everything that we're going through. And when they see that the peace that we have in this world, when the rest of the world is crumbling, they see the peace that we have. Not because it's easy, but because we keep depending on Jesus. Pray in Jesus' name.